Hello, and welcome to Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. So here we are, back at it with Pam and Greg Smart. Episode Is this episode eight or is this episode seven, part two? No, we're going to do episode eight. Okay. Part so two. Part two. All right. Yes. So where I left you guys off before is that Pam and Billy had just um, did the dirty. Sure. And remember, she's 22 and he's 15. Lucky guy. Sorry, that's not appropriate. <laughs> that is not appropriate, especially because we have a kid that's almost that age. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? No. If you got the call? No. Hey, your son. No, don't even want to imagine the that. 22-year-old teacher. And well, she men- wasn't a teacher. She was a... She was a mentor. She was not a teacher. Mentor. <laughs> Did you ever have a crush on one of your teachers? Yeah, but I was homeschooled, so... <laughs> It was weird. You know, it would have been weird. <laughs> he totally was. He was totally homeschooled. <laughs> Who'd you go to prom with? <laughs> Not his mom. I went I'm with my joking. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't you homeschooled? Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're one of those weird homeschool kids. Oh, my gosh. And a middle child. Oh. I am the definition of messed up. How did you even become as normal as you I, are? I barely got into this room. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Okay, so we're just going to jump on in because this is actually going to be a three-parter. Sorry, honey. I just, I really want to do this case justice because not only for Greg, but this is also one of those cases that changed a lot of aspects of even like television yeah because this was the first fully televised court case yeah like i said gavel to gavel i need to get out of the smart case so that's why we are going to do this and then we have to do a third one because i have to do it justice all right fair enough let's go okay so billy was 15 And Billy thought he was in love with Pam. Oh, Billy. I know, Billy. He had never felt these feelings about anyone before. He just wanted to make Pam happy. And if making her happy and being with her for the rest of his life meant killing her husband, Greg, then that is what he was going to do. Pam started also telling Billy that Greg was physically abusive, which was never proven. Right. Ever. I guess she had a little bruise on her arm and she was like, look what he did to me. And that they couldn't get divorced because he would take the furniture, the money and her beloved dog, Halen. Pam had even brought up murdering Greg to Cecilia, her intern. She and Cecilia even had a debate on which would be better, divorce or murder. And murder became the better option. Clearly. (laughs) Billy finally agreed to murdering Greg once Pam had started withholding sex. Oh. And she would tell him that he really didn't love her if he didn't follow through with her plan. Billy was now 16. 
This was just a couple months after right. they had started sleeping together. Right. So Billy was now 16. Billy decided he couldn't do the killing alone and was able to recruit three of his friends to carry out the killing with him. Wow. He got three people? He got three people. He got J.R. Latimy, who was 17. He was the driver and borrowed his grandma's car okay. as the getaway car. He also provided the gun from his dad's collection, which was a 38 caliber snub-nosed revolver. Nice. He got Pete Randall, who was 16 also. Little Petey. Little Pete. He would kill Greg with a knife found at the condo. He wanted to be the one to murder Greg because he eventually wanted to become a hitman. Pete did. Pete did. That's what he wanted. And he was how old? He was 16. 16. And his goal in life was to be a hitman. You know what my goal was at 16? To get laid? No. What? Driver's license because I already bought a car. I. That's it. (laughs) Not a hitman. Not a hitman. How the hell do you decide you want to be a hitman at 16? I don't know. Maybe it's something cool to say like, hey, guys, I want to be a hitman when I grow up. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. And then the last was Raymond Fowler, who was 18. He would keep JR company as they waited in the car during the murder. That was his job. Wow. (laughs) It's just to keep him company. And Billy would hold on to the gun during the murder just in case things got out of hand. Each boy was offered a whopping $500 a piece from the $140,000 life insurance payout Pam was going to get. Gotcha. They also could take anything they wanted from the condo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that seems pretty fair. So Pam helped them plan the murder. And Pam was very specific about what she wanted them to do. She wanted them to wait until it was dark, to put the dog in the basement, because if the dog saw Billy and his friend carrying out the murder, then the dog would never like Billy again. No, that makes sense. And she wanted her dog to like Billy, you know, because they were going to be together for the rest of their life. You don't want the dog to have PTSD. Right. Gosh, that'd be terrible. And to keep the lights off in the condo, uh, obviously. And don't get blood on her freaking couch. No, of course not. Yeah. How don't you dare. It's hard to get out. Get blood on my couch. That's why we do Ikea couches, because then you can just wash them and bleach them. Right. The actual, so I'm going to tell you the actual murder told from the testimony from these boys. Okay. Okay. The boys headed over to Pam's condo after it had gotten dark around 9 p.m. Pete and Billy had old dark clothes in a duffel bag and they had scotch tape to wrap the tip of their fingers as to add an extra layer of protection under the latex gloves that they had bought. Okay. And then they had a handful of hollow point bullets. They located a dumpster down the street from the condominium. Pete and Billy changed into the old clothes that would be trashed after the murder. J.R. and Raymond waited in the car, driving around and belting out oldies from the radio, while Pete and Billy jogged down to Pam's unit. Now remember, Pam is at a late meeting with the school board. Gotcha. So that's her alibi. 
So they put on their gloves. They crept over to the gray metal doors that were purposely left open. So they had like storm doors outside of the condo. Right. Yeah. That would lead you down a flight of stairs to another door that when you walked into that, you would be in the cellar. Gotcha. Okay. So all of those doors were left open for those boys. Okay. So once they got to the cellar, they walked up the stairs. That back door was open. And the first thing they did was they had to catch the dog. And the dog was not easily caught. So I can imagine these two boys in these dark clothes in the pitch black chasing around trying to grab this fur ball of a dog. (laughs) They finally caught him. But this is sad. Everyone always gets sadder about the dogs or the animals, I think, than the actual people that are killed. But anyways, they threw him down the stairs. The dog. The dog. They just chucked him down the stairs. Did he die? No. But they heard him like bounce down the stairs. Oh, okay. Then I was thinking if you went through all that trouble to catch him so that the poor dog doesn't have, you know, PTSD towards Billy. Throwing him down the stairs. That's probably not good either. Yeah, that's not going to be good either. Just lock him in a bathroom. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares, right? Now, their whole point was to make this scene look like a botched burglary. So in order to make it look like a burglary gone wrong, they went up to the master bedroom and started ripping it apart. Pete put Pam's jewelry in a pillowcase that he took from the bed, and he found a portable TV. Nice. Downstairs, Pete ripped... Okay, so then they make their way downstairs. Then Pete ripped the stereo equipment out from the wall and stacked it by the door. Then he tried to get the VCR out, but he couldn't get it unplugged. (laughs) I don't know why. He grabbed some CDs. Oh. Yeah. And a pair of sunglasses. Then he went into the bat into the kitchen, excuse me, and grabbed a knife from the kitchen uh, butcher block. And then he tore into a dark chair cushion, ripping the stuffing out because it was a dark color. And he thought, well, I should put all of this stuff in a dark color sack. Right. Because the one that he had grabbed from up in the master bedroom was like a like a white flowery one. Right. So you should have a darker one. You should have a dark, no, that makes dark sense. one. Right. Yeah. So while Pete ransacked the house, Billy was trying to figure out how to carry out the murder. Should they hit him over the head with this brass candlestick that he found in the dining room? It's like playing a game of Clue. Yeah. Should they wrap his head in a towel so that it wouldn't get messy? So he grabbed a towel. All right. Okay. They're putting some thought into this. Right. They decided to just jump Greg and see what happens. Yeah. But they left everything out. They left like a towel out. They left the candlestick on the ground. Like they, I don't know. They just weren't, whatever. They weren't. Candlestick in the observatory. Right. Yeah. They watched Greg pull up. Oh boy. So Billy decided to stand behind the front door. So like when the door opened, he would be behind it. Boo. Right. Yeah. And Pete just ran up to the landing by the stairs. Okay. Greg took a step inside and he turned on the foyer, the foyer light. Is that, how do you say that? Foyer yeah. or foyer? Sure. It's both ways, right? It's foyer. I'm going to say foyer because it sounds fancier. Yeah. So Greg took a step inside and turned on the foyer light. 
Billy leaped out from behind the door and grabbed Greg by the shoulders. That is horrifying to me. Surprise. Yes. Uh, the Greg, shoulders. Yeah, the shoulder. Grabbed him by the shoulders. All right. Greg hollered and tried to run out. Pete, the me- in the meantime, came down the stairs and he shoved Greg away from the door and into the foyer and then immediately turned off the light. Gotcha. Pete tried to close the front door, but it kept getting stuck in the mat. Oh. Yeah. So he wasn't able to close it all the way. When he turned back around, he saw that Billy had Greg up against the wall and and Billy was just wailing on him, like punching him, punching him in the head and everything. And then Pete ran over, grabbed Greg by the hair and slammed his head into the wall. Gotcha. So Greg is being attacked by two kids, basically, and, like man children. Yeah. And one of them's an aspiring assassin. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Then Pete told Greg, still having him by the back of his head and the hair, to get on his knees. And then he put the kitchen knife up to Greg's throat. Greg begged for his life and kept asking him, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. I'll give you anything that you want. Pete asked him for his wedding ring, but Greg said no. He wouldn't give him his wedding ring because, quote unquote, my wife would kill me. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he gave them all the money that was in his billfold, which was only $5. What? I know. this. It's just, oh, it makes me geez. so sad. Pete could not bring himself to actually go through with the killing. He couldn't do it. So he didn't want to be a an assassin anymore? He didn't want to do it. Yeah. He could not do it. So then Pete looked over at Billy and pointed to the pocket that Billy had the gun in. Okay. Billy took out the gun. Billy grabbed Greg's hair, cocked the hammer, and said, God forgive me. And then he fired the gun into Greg's skull. Oh. One time, right behind the ear. Oh, my God. Yeah. Greg fell to the ground. His wallet, his keys, and somehow his wedding ring were found underneath his body. Pete and Billy ran from the condo out the back door, taking that dark pillowcase filled with CDs and sunglasses and stupid costume jewelry that didn't even add up to very much, the knife and the gun. But they left the stereo equipment stacked by the door. Pete threw the knife into a field and they sprinted to meet J.R. and Raymond at the rendezvous point. JR drove them to the dumpster to retrieve the duffel bag that had all their regular clothes in it. Pete and Billy changed their clothes in the backseat of the car, throwing the clothes that they wore in the condo out of the windows as they drove. And then they ditched that duffel bag when they stopped to pee in the woods. (laughs) When JR got home, he cleaned the revolver and put it back where his father had kept it. Oh my god. Now gosh. when they were driving, they were doing that whole like dude thing where they're like, We just killed him, blah you know, like right. we're so cool. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that. That's awesome. Like I it just makes me mad to even think of the things that they were saying in that car. Just high fiving, like doing a bro thing, like right. high fiving and stuff. Just ugh. 
The dairy police had very little leads to go on, and Pam wasn't giving them much information. Pam hinted that maybe he had been killed over the little stash of weed that was found in his car. Or maybe he owed money to a loan shark, since he did like to gamble. Motive and information was lacking. What wasn't lacking was Pam's desire to be on TV. Oh, boy. She was interviewed by anybody who wanted to interview her. She totally did the whole media circuit thing. Eventually, everyone in New Hampshire knew who Pamela Smart was. This was all in a few days after Greg was murdered. Right. She even thought it was a good idea to be interviewed in the condo with the frozen top of her wedding cake sitting next to her. Oh, boy. The one they would have eaten on their one-year wedding anniversary. Do people do that? I They used to. You freeze part of your wedding cake you and freeze, then eat it at one year? Yeah, you freeze that top part of your wedding cake, and then you thaw it out and eat oh. it on your one-year anniversary. That just sounds gross. I can't even eat a popsicle that's been in the freezer for... A couple months. More than five years? No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What she was doing was just leaving a bad taste in everybody's mouth, right? that's not right. So one would think that after you murdered a man in cold blood or were an accomplice to the murder, you'd keep your mouth shut, right? That That would probably be a better idea. Yeah. Not these four little boys. They told everyone that would listen, bragging about it at school. But most kids just thought they were full of it until 17-year-old Ralph Welch heard the story. Ralph is the one who blew this case wide open. So wait, so these guys were telling everyone that they killed someone? Yeah, they were like bragging about it. Oh, wow. I know, it's crazy. So Ralph Welch lived with JR, who was the driver of the getaway car. Okay. He lived with JR and his family. He was like another son to them. And the reason that Ralph wasn't, Ralph would never have been involved in the murder, but the reason that Ralph is just now coming up is because Ralph had a girlfriend who he was super attached to. So he had pulled away from this group of boys a while ago and was, you know, doing the girlfriend thing. But like I said, he was like another son to the family, the Latimy family. So Ralph came from an extremely poor family and if he had agreed to go back to high school, JR's parents would take him in and care for him. Okay. Which is so cool to me. Yeah. Those are cool parents to be like, hey, I see a lot of potential in you. I see that you're a good kid. So you can come live with us and we will fully take care of you. All you have to do is go back to high school. Right. I don't know. I really like JR's family seems really cool. I don't know where JR came from. Right. So Ralph had started hearing the rumors about the murder and especially from Raymond. So he, so he was good friends with Raymond too, who was just the guy who was hanging out in the car. Right. Okay. But Raymond had left town. He'd gotten out of dairy as soon as he could. Yeah, smart. Yeah, I think they said he went up to Maine. Sorry. How could he? I should know that. But how old was Raymond? Raymond was 17. Gotcha, okay. Mm -hmm. 
So Saturday, June 9th, 1990, a little over a month after the murder at around 1130 at night. Now this is after Ralph had started hearing all these rumors and he just didn't want to believe them. But Ralph had come home after being at his girlfriend's house and he heard Jr. and Pete in their in Jr.'s bedroom after returning from a movie with Pam and Billy. So they had just gotten home from going to the movies with Pam and Billy and they were talking in Jr.'s room. This is Pete okay. and Jr. All right. So Ralph just asked them about the murder. Said, "Hey, I'm hearing all these rumors." Raymond told me some stuff went down. What's going on? And Pete and JR denied any involvement in this Greg Smart murder. Ralph said, okay, I believe you. And he walked out. He closed the door, but he stayed by the door and he put his ear up to the door. And he heard some one of them whisper, Billy is going to be so pissed. And another one answered, yeah, you know who's going to be next. So Ralph immediately took that as Raymond was going to be next. Oh, wow. They were going to kill Raymond. Man, they put a lot of thought into this. After. Afterwards. So Ralph ran back in the room, jumping on Pete, and then he started tickling him. And when he was saying, I heard you, now you have to tell me. I heard what you said, so you're lying to me. So now you have to tell me what you did. Right. Pete and Junior then told Ralph the entire story. And it was Junior, I'm sorry, not Junior, JR. JR. Being, he was being relatively quiet. He really wasn't the one telling the story. It was Pete. But Pete became animated and then started blaming Greg for his own murder. Sure. Because he was abusive and a jerk to Pam. Right. And Ralph was like, but he nobody deserves to die like that. Like Ralph was totally defending Greg. And they were they just started it started getting into a fight. They started getting into a fight about this, like back and forth. Then they told Ralph that they were each getting $500 from Greg's life insurance. And Ralph was getting more and more pissed, telling Junior, JR, why am I doing that? Telling JR they needed to go to the police. The boys refused, even threatening Ralph and Raymond that they better keep their mouths shut or else. Ralph left the house and drove to Maine to warn Raymond, but Raymond said that he didn't care. So that oh, night, wow. that late at night, Ralph is such a good friend that he drove up there to warn his other friends. This is crazy, I know. Yeah. As Ralph left to warn Raymond, JR and Pete jumped on their dirt bikes and rode to Pam's to warn she and Billy because oh. Billy was. Staying there now. Sure. Pay me. Mm-hmm. To Pammy's. Pam. To Pammy's house. They never answered the door. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the next day, June 10th, Ralph, sobbing, told JR's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Latimy, that Pete and JR admitted to being there when Greg Smart was murdered. 
and that Mr. Latimer's revolver was the murder weapon. Mr. Latimer immediately went to check his gun and noticed it had recently been cleaned. Uh-oh. Yeah. And able to find their son, J.R., they drove Ralph and the murder weapon to the Seabrook Police Department. Well, that's good. I know. As a parent, you really, you always want to protect your children. Right. But they knew that holding on to this information, number one, was ruining Ralph. Right. And number two, you can't hold on to that. No. You can't hold on to that information. Once Ralph gave his statement, and then somehow the local media were informed, and the case just exploded. So Pete and JR heard that the police were looking for them. They once again, this is all on the same day. Wow. They once again rode to Pam's house on their dirt bikes where Billy was. Pam told all the boys to leave and told Billy their relationship was over. (laughs) Yeah. Pete, JR, and Billy officially went on the run for like six hours. <laughs> they didn't have any money. They didn't have anything. They just kind of well, went and on they're the dumb. I mean, they're sixteen, seventeen. I know. Realizing they weren't able to live on the lamb, they returned home. Raymond Fowler turned himself in. This is the same day. Wow. <laughs> okay. And told the police that he had no idea that a murder was going to happen. He was only in the car because he needed a ride. Oh, clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And they were like, hey, dude, um, we're going to stop for a few hours. And kill somebody. Yeah. And we're going to murder somebody. But, you know, we'll get you to your destination. Right. That is a taxi ride gone wrong. Yeah. Let's see. (laughs) I know I have this on paper now. The boys eventually admitted to the killing, but they said it was because Greg was an abuser and that Pam was a nice lady. Okay. Okay. They never once told police that Billy and Pam were having an affair. Like this was the secret of the century. Pam wasn't telling anybody about the affair either because why? Why tell anybody, right? Right. So when the news got out that these boys had confessed to Greg's murder, Pam, like, was acting shocked. And she was heartbroken because it wasn't only because of the death of her husband, but also over the claim that the boys did it to protect her from Greg's abuses. Hmm. Yeah, so she was like, oh, I don't know why these boys would want to kill him. I never told them to kill him. They were just protecting me. Right. But Ralph, in his original statement, did tell the police all about the affair and Cecilia Pierce's knowledge of the murder and the affair. Uh Uh-oh. So that all came from Ralph. But there really wasn't any proof. Yep, it's all hearsay. It's all hearsay. It's all she said, they said. Yeah. Like I was saying before. And there wouldn't be any proof since Billy got rid of all the love letters, gifts, and photos Pam had given him over the weeks. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. And the police searched the woods for the duffel bag because the boys had admitted to it, but they still had not been arrested because there was no proof. Right. They were just saying what they did, but there was no, there was no proof. There was no blood. Right. There was no clothing. There was no... 
There was no nothing. They had the gun, but that isn't just all the evidence that you need. Right, right. right. So the police were trying to find the evidence, like the duffel bag. Right. They found the duffel bag, then Greg's blood would be on the clothes in the duffel bag. So Monday, June 11th, they had finally matched a bullet shot from the 38 revolver with the bullet found in Greg's skull. Oh, wow. So they officially knew that that was the murder weapon. Yeah. At least they know that gun was used. Yes. After they found the match, they still needed more. They still needed more evidence. Through Ralph and Raymond, they had learned about Cecilia Pierce. It was time to find out the truth and to find out exactly Pam's involvement. So it was time to get to Cecilia Pierce. Yep. So Ralph, it was Ralph who put everybody on to to the boys. Right. Okay. Now it's going to be Cecilia Pierce who's going to bring down Pam. But I have to do this case justice and I can't mentally go through the rest of it right now. So that is going to be episode three, and that's going to be done. We're going to, I'm going to all tell right. you all how Cecilia did it, how they were able to get to Pam, and I'm going to tell you about the court case, and then we are going to bid adieu to oh Greg my gosh. and Pam that Smart. Is, that is crazy. I know. I told you this was a crazy case. <sighs> Man. And I'm exhausted. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. It's a lot of that's a lot of information. It's a lot of information to and, and I put it all hope, together. I know. And I hope that I did that justice and I hope I put it in a way that you all could kind of get a mental picture about this. What do you think? <laughs> well, that, I can't imagine doing that at that age. That's no. just insane to me. That and that one kid could convince a bunch of other dudes to come help. For five hundred dollars. For five hundred bucks. Even then, late 80s, early 90s time period, that's right. not that's nothing. And there was nothing of value in their home. Oh, the funny thing I forgot to say is that that day that they were going to break in and do the murder, yeah. Pamela was wearing all of her expensive jewelry. Oh, wow. She had rings. So she purposely took out everything. Yeah, and people distinctly remember her wearing like these beautiful rings on every finger, all of her necklaces, her wow. diamond earrings. She was wearing everything of value on her person that day. What an idiot. I know. I know. And so all the boys got was just, you know, the fake stuff. Although she, I mean, she's only 22 at this point. She she's, was, she was not... 22, but I, I really think she, mentally she was like 16, 17. Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think she's an older child. Yeah. It kind of sounds like that. I think so. She relates better to a younger generation. Mm-hmm. That's why she's humping a 15 to 16 year old. Yeah. I know. What the hell's wrong with people? So- do you have any questions that maybe our listeners would have questions? Oh because I gosh. know that that was like, I tried to give you a rundown of everything that happened because everything just blew up all at the same time. Okay. So if we were parents of any of these kids, wouldn't you feel like there's something that's they've done that's on their mind? Like they got to go off and come back and... 
They come home. Don't you think you would notice something? I don't know. I I think that we would as parents. How, how only could because you? We yeah. keep our kids in this little bubble. But back then, you remember, I mean, we were almost the same age as these kids during that time. That's true. We could ride our bikes to the neighbors and our parents wouldn't know. That's true. You know, it was like, come home when the outside lights come on. Right. It wasn't as much of a bubble as as our kids are now. Yeah. We don't have the tracking devices and cameras and drones following our kids. Right. And the phones. Phones. They didn't have phones. Oh, my god! And that Billy was just allowed to kind of wander. And, I mean, he was basically living at Pam's condo, which actually she had moved out of the condo that she shared with Greg into another condo. Right. So they weren't shacking up in, like, the murder house. Gotcha. They were shacking up in another, in a new house. All right. Fair enough. So I hope people understood that. I know... (laughs) I don't know. That's my biggest fear is that people are going to be like, what? Wait, who's that? And I don't know how better I could have done it, but you know, that was good. I'm sure somebody will tell me. Yeah. (laughs) Could have done it better. (laughs) No, I could picture it while you're telling it to me. Like I'm trying to visualize it. Well, and that's, I know that's how you work. So I'm trying, I'm mostly trying to get you to. Right. That's the whole point of this is I'm telling you a case. Right. So I hope. Did you, did you understand it? Yep, I got it. <laughs> okay. Well, we will be out with part three, and I promise that's going to be the last part. Yep. Uh, hopefully in a couple days. And then I will be done with this case. I need to be done with this case. I need to move on to some other fun stuff for you. Yeah. Well, just remember to be careful, for marriage is a life sentence. It is. Yeah. All right. It it can be. <laughs> it can be. All right. Well, we'll see y'all next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.